Black lady, black lady adulting. I got bills, I got school, I got, I gotta do. Got a husband with no kids. Every night we work on it. Black lady, black lady adulting. Lots of people want to ride with you in the limo, but what you want is someone who will take the bus with you when the limo breaks down. Oprah Winfrey. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Black Lady Adulting, a podcast brought to you by yours truly, Joaquina Stone. Thanks so much for joining me for episode two, um, the Maintaining Friendships episode. So in my first episode, I kind of went off on a tangent um, about friendships, um, especially a friend, friendships in adulthood. So I figured that that should be the topic of my second episode. Um, but before I introduce my guest, I want to say that obviously, you know, well, maybe it's not obvious, but we are recording this during COVID-19, so there's social distancing. And so my guest, who is working from home and also being a mom, um, so there might be some interruptions. We might hear kids in the background and their TV shows, and that's okay. Um, we're still figuring out the sound, being that we are recording, um, doing social distancing, so please bear with us and know that we will try to improve our sound quality as we progress through this podcast. But back to the topic at hand. So I'm really excited because today I have one of my dearest friends here to discuss maintaining friendships in adulthood. And we'll also talk a little bit about cross-racial friendships. I think just given the state of the world, um, let me rephrase that. Given black folks in America, um, it's important to talk about cross-racial friendships. So. Without any further ado, I welcome my friend and my line sister, Dr. Amber Wilburn King. Applause, applause. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Amber. Uh, hi, Joaquina. Thanks for having me on Black Girl Adulting. I'm really excited to be Black on lady. this podcast. Black lady adulting, my <laughs> bad, my bad. <laughs> I'm really excited. This is the first podcast I've ever done, and I'm very excited to be um, for it to be on your podcast. Um, so I'm Amber. I'm born and raised in LA with some brief educational stints in Stockton, California, and Corvallis, Oregon, um, where me and Joaquina met in Corvallis. Uh, currently, I work for Department of Public Health as an essential worker during COVID-19. Um, I have two kids, two beautiful little babies. And Joaquina mentioned earlier, you might hear them running around or uh, my daughter's watching the Hulk in the background. So uh, <laughs> sorry in advance for any of that. Um, and I have a very chocolatey, very dimpled delight of a husband. Um, <laughs> um, I didn't ask you for all of that. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, I mean, he's got dimples, he's chocolate brown, he's, you know, wonderful. <laughs> um, and I, you know, since my daughter was born, I do more, a lot of mom things, uh, not so many Amber things, but, you know, that's kind of life, I guess. Um, I'm a foodie. I love Thai food. I love Japanese food. And of course, soul food. Um, and I love trying new foods. I'll try pretty much anything at least once. Um, and I also like to shop. I love doing, you know, Shutterfly picture books. I love Black people, Black things, Black yes. lives. You know? Which is why you're on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Anything else? I didn't want to cut you off. Uh, no, that's it. Okay. I mean, that was a lot. That was probably, you know, more than we asked for. You know, okay, rude. <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. Um, but yeah, so we're going to jump in. So today we're talking about friendships, specifically 
managing friendships in adulthood. So I haven't, um, you haven't heard my first episode yet, um, but I really went off on a tangent about, <laughs> about friends and like how it's so hard to make friends as an adult um, and maintain friendships. So we've been friends since undergrad. Um, and I think that there were different points in our lives where we were both transitioning. So I moved to Maryland while you were finishing up your doctorate in Oregon. Um, you started your job search, which I was really excited because at one point there was hope that you were going to join me on the East Coast, but those yeah. hopes were thwarted <laughs> when you got your job in LA. Um, and so you moved back to California. And so during that time, I remember feeling like, like, OMG, our friendship is going to be different because she's going to be on the West Coast, which you always were. But I think I had hope that you would be on the East Coast. And once I realized that you wouldn't, um, I think the fear set in that like, oh, she's going to be in a different, on a different coast in a different time zone. Um, I was getting married, you got married, you had kids. And so I think we experienced some life changes that I think uh, made me nervous that we wouldn't be able to maintain friendships. So just out of like, just from your opinion, like what are, how do you think we've been intentional about maintaining our friendship? And what are some ways that, you know, folks, Black women who are working women, who are mothers, who are, um, maybe they're living their best single life. Like, how do you encourage folks to um, maintain the important relationships when oftentimes, like, there are other factors that kind of, that impact whether or not they can be in close proximity to one another? Mm -hmm. How we've been intentional. Hmm. Well... We are line sisters. That helps tremendously. Um, but I think the, you know, after the my first summer at OSU, um, I kind of had, and maybe still do to an extent, um, friends in silos. So my LA friends were like my LA friends. Um, and when I was in Oregon, I didn't really talk to my LA friends because I was in Oregon and I had Oregon friends. Um, and that kind of carried over that first summer. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but you like called me that first summer and just was talking all kind of mess. Oh, so you in LA, you can't talk to nobody, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess. And at that point, I really hadn't realized, I guess, that I kept my friends in silos. So, I mean, you know, that's just kind of how I operated in my friendship circles. Um, so really at that point, it was, that's the first time, I guess, I realized that I could have friends, like my friends could merge mm -hmm. throughout my life, different life experiences. Um, so that was helpful. Generally, I don't really, it takes me a while to develop friendships because I'm more of a sit back and like see what people are like. And <laughs> this might sound really bad, but it takes a lot of emotional labor and emotional just emotions to build and develop and maintain friendships. And I don't think everybody's worth it. So I have to figure out That's who's fair. worth it before I do that. And you um, happen to be worth it. So, um, you, you know, you showed me you wanted to be my friend. I was like, after our first meeting, of course. Um, <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so our first meeting, y'all, I was at Oregon State. It was no Black people. Um, there was a student clubs fair or something in the MU quad and I saw Joaquina and um, 
one of her friends who turns out to be our other line sister, um, was like, oh my gosh, there's black people. Let me go introduce myself. And I went over and introduced myself and they asked me if I danced because they were on this dime squad dance team. And I said, no. And they just said, oh, okay. And went back to playing on their phone. <laughs> Don't like, believe okay. it. Like, okay, well, we're done. <laughs> I do not remember like, that. I remember that fair, but I do not remember <laughs> dismissing you when you said you didn't dance. <laughs> I know, I'm not even rememberable. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. But no, so you said something um, that resonated with me. So you talked about like compartmentalizing your friends. Um, and I feel like for a long time, I did that too. Like, I remember very distinctively when I moved from Oregon to Maryland for grad school, um, my first stint with grad school, um, I was not trying to be friends with the people in my cohort. Like, I was just like, I don't need y'all. I got friends. Like, and, and then I realized like, oh, I actually do need community to make it through this graduate school process and so I developed some relationships but it wasn't until that experience that I had to think like really critically about oh I do need friends for different reasons for different seasons um and so I was able to form connections in grad school and I think for me it's always been like important to build relationships with people because I'm such a people person um so it's hard like I've all the places that I work I have friends from places that I've worked. Um, and I know some people kind of frown upon making friends at work. Um, but I work, I mean, let me, <laughs> this is gonna sound crazy. Well, maybe not. I work with a lot of black people. So for me, I'm like, of course I'm gonna be friends with y'all. Like, I mean, we share a lot of <laughs> commonalities. Um, I think some of the places that I worked where there weren't as many black people, I don't have as many friends. Um, but anywho, so when you said compartmentalizing friendships, like how, like as an adult, does that still work? Like, do you still do that? Do you feel like that's helpful to have pockets of friends? Like, just curious. Uh, I, uh, yeah, yes and no. There's some now that, you know, we're married and now I have kids. There are certain things I can't do with some of my um, non-married friends. Um, I don't want to... I don't want to be at the club anymore. Like I never wanted to be at the club really, but no. now certainly I don't, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just not interested in that. Um, so I don't, the silos look different, I guess. So it's mm. not like LA friends now, it's my married friends or my single friends. Um, and really I don't, like my sister is my friend and my cousins are my friend, but it took me a long time to realize that a part of, I don't really know how to explain this, but um, sisters aren't always everybody, every other sister's friend, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So at one point I wouldn't call my sister my friend because it, it was just like, duh, like right. she's my sister. She don't count. So, <laughs> so I have family who's also my friends that I never really considered um, that and those, you know, they kind of transcend wherever you are in regions or lifespan. So, yeah. I mean, the silos look a little bit different. They're more fluid now, um, but it, it does help to, you know, mentally prepare yourself. Oh, everybody's not ready to talk about getting married because 
some people just don't know that life. So yeah. there's certain conversations you can't really have with those folks, um, in my opinion. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I do think some of my conversations and friendships with some of my single folks are a little bit different. Um, I'm a pretty open person. I'm pretty transparent. If I call you a friend, I probably overshare. I'm sure that all of my friends <laughs> will probably tell you that I often preface things with like TMI, but um, so <laughs> anywho, so that's like a tangent. I was going somewhere with that, but I can't remember where. But what I do want to talk about is, um, well, two things kind of. So you and I both watch Insecure and season four focuses a lot on um, the how Molly and Issa's relationship is changing and in some ways like disintegrating. And, you know, I've had, and I know you're aware of this, but I've had some friendships end and those have been really traumatic. Well, I shouldn't say really traumatic, but it's been like hard to go through because I think in the moment I wasn't necessarily mentally and emotionally prepared. So I don't know, like, how do you, maybe people know this and I don't, but how do you know like when it's gonna end? Cause like as outsiders looking in on Molly and Issa's, you can see the, the things happening that led up to them possibly no longer being friends. But when you're in it, it's mm -hmm. like, how do you recognize the signs? Like, yo, this is not a friendship that's good for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's hard, I guess, cause sometimes depending on how long you've known the person, how close you are, um, how much of a diary they've been to you and, and mm -hmm. you to them, you know, you kind of give people passes that maybe they shouldn't get. And other people can see that, but you know, you know other people, like you don't know her or him like I know them. So like, what are you talking about? But I guess just sometimes you just gotta trust your gut. Um, like women's intuition is real, is real strong. And I'm learning every day that I should, I should be able to trust my intuition a little bit more because I've uh, lost a friendship that you're also aware of that was really also traumatic to me. Um, and I think the, what sparked that, um, when I was thinking about confiding in this person something, my intuition told me, no, don't do it. Like, don't do it. It's like, no, it's going to be okay. Like, they're cool. They've never done anything to me before. Like, yeah. And then I confided and all of a sudden my intuition was like, see, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's hard because it's like you want to see the best in people. Um, for me, like, I also think about like why I why I want friends. Like everybody needs friends, obviously, whatever. But I think because I like moved around kind of uh, growing up, like I had my friends in DC and then I was, I moved to Oregon, which I didn't necessarily fit in right away. And then I finally developed friends there. And then I went to Oregon State. So I have like my pockets of friends, like um, you said. And so I think sometimes when you're building friendships or relationships with people, you want to see the best in them because you want that you know, relationship to flourish and grow. And it's kind of like, some people are trash and they, <laughs> they show up as trash in their friendships. Um, and sometimes it's just a rude awakening. Um, but I, and I also think, like at least with the friendship that uh, dissolved for me, I, I guess, I mean, 
you probably saw it coming. <clears throat> I'm sure other people saw it coming, but I didn't, I just didn't think that like the friendship would end. Like we had our issues. We went back and forth time from time to time, but it was like, Oh, like we're always going to be friends. Like you're my wedding, you know, my family, like when I'm not in town, my family's hanging out with you. Um, so I just didn't think like, Oh, this is going to go sideways. But I think that some people just, you know, you just outgrow people. And I just don't, mm -hmm. I don't think as a kid, um, that I ever thought about like long-term friendships and how they dissolve. Like, I just, mm -hmm. I don't think I was like ever emotionally prepared to deal with the loss of a friend. In some ways, that's like real grief. Especially, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, depending yeah. on how long you've known the person, um, like you said, and how much you've confided in them. That's like really painful to be like, oh, I don't talk to this person anymore. And I used to talk to them like pretty much every day, all day. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it can be tough. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, that morning process is something, right? Yeah. So how do you mourn friends? What does that look like? It's weird. It looks different for different people. Like with the friendship that I kind of, you know, deteriorated with me, um, it was hard for a variety of reasons, but maybe harder because um, she had her first pregnancy and, and we were still cool when she was going through her uh, pregnancy, her first one. And when I got pregnant the first time, all I could think of, all my reference was her. So mm. every day mm. I would have to think about, well, this person, da, 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 da. And I'm not, but like, I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. Like, I can't, hmm. Yeah. And I thought I had, you know, finished that morning process, but, um, but every new pregnancy experience I had with my daughter, I would think of that person and their experience and how I knew pregnancy because of them. Um, so, it, and I think by that time I had, uh, I was resolved in that, so it didn't affect me as much as it would have had I, before I got married, I think. Um, but yeah, morning looks different, so. And it helped that there was significant distance between us. So, you know, mm -hmm. we didn't have to see each other or really communicate with each other like that. Um, and I don't have access to Facebook anymore. So I didn't see updates, life updates and anything. So that was helpful. That is a helpful part of the morning process, I think. Um, but, you know, with social media, it tends to be a little bit harder now for people to just cut off communication with people they're not cool with or um, having some kind of blow up with. Um, so distance for me helped. Time, of course, helped. Um, and no Facebook, you know, that always seems yeah. to help. <laughs> yeah, I think similarly, I'm not on Facebook, so uh, I don't get those updates. I unfollowed the person on Instagram, so it's kind of like, oh, out of sight, out of mind. Um, yeah. Well, thinking about friendships dissolving and the experiences that you've had with that, um, I think one of the things that we've noticed on Insecure as well is like a lack of ability to express themselves in a way that will help their friendship grow. Um, so when you think about some of the relationships that have, friendships that have dissolved for you, like 
what's one thing you wish like would have happened differently? And you don't have to be specific, but just like in terms of like, oh, we could have, I don't know, we could have talked more or we could have like talked about the issue or we could have whatever, like. Mm-hmm. What would have helped? I think, and so before this, this friendship that I've been talking about, I think what would have helped then was more communication. But you know, this was before cell phones. I'm kind of giving up my age, but <laughs> I didn't get my first cell phone until I was a senior in high school. Like, so, not too bad. Not too bad. so friendships before then kind of dissolved because we just didn't have the ability to communicate like we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this specific person, I think I should have listened to my woman's intuition, really. Mm-hmm because because had I not shared those bits of information, I think we would at least still be cool. Um, and also, you know, people get married, they have different priorities, so life changes happen. Um, and with that, there's nothing really we can do about that um, because priorities change, but um, trusting your gut and being more able to communicate. And you know, Jokina, I'm not very good with sharing my emotions. Like, so I'm just really kind of the person to shut down. I'll write a letter, but I won't send it to you because I don't want you to have in words on paper what I'm feeling because you might use it against me in the future. Oh man. I know, right? (laughs) So I got plenty of letters on my computer that nobody has seen and nobody will see. Let me hack your computer. It's so funny. Um, I feel like I'm the opposite of you. I'm like an oversharer. I'm like a feeler. Um, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I just, I feel a lot of emotions all the time. And I tell people how I feel. I, t- I, I, I try to tell my friends that I love them. Um, I don't do that with you because I know it makes you uncomfortable. Um, okay, thank you. <laughs> she used up all my lotion people oh no <laughs> all right i'll get you some after i'm done okay thank you all right go on <laughs> yes you are a feeler and a sharer while on the other ha- hand i'm heartless and i'm kind of like cold <laughs> you're not heartless you are cold. i mean no, i've been kidding. called I'm just kidding uh, i've been called cutthroat before because you know <laughs> i mean that might be one way, but, but I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing though. Like, I feel like some people, like you said, trusting your intuition, like some people need to be cut off. Sometimes you need to be cutthroat with people. Um, yeah. And so mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, like Molly and Andrew's brother, cutthroat. Girl, so <laughs> speaking of them, we can shift gears because I don't want to belabor the point about friendships in adulthood. Um, people are probably listening like, okay, girl, get on with it. Um, but speaking of Molly and Andrew, so spoiler for alert for anybody who hasn't been watching Insecure season four, um, there is an episode where Molly is at a resort and she experiences what she perceives to be a racist incident, which a lot of black folks watching would probably agree with her. Um, yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, and so she goes back to the pool. She's talking with Andrew um, and Andrew's brother about the situation because Andrew can see that she's visibly upset. And in that scene, they kind of have a heated argument about 
Molly's experience when Andrew's brother really wasn't even there to witness what happened prior to like when he arrived on the scene. But that scene, anywho, that scene made me think a lot about cross-racial friendships, especially in today's society um, where at least right now, I mean, issues with um, anti-blackness, anti-blackness has always been pre prevalent in American society. It is, that's just, is, it is what it is. Um, and right now, this is what, June 2020, we're seeing, you know, uprisings because of the killings of a number of Black bodies. And I've been getting text messages from non-Black non <laughs> friends that are like, I just, you know, want to touch base with you and see how you're doing. And I noticed that, like, that happens a lot. And so Insecure and where we are as a country right now has made me think about cross-racial friendships and how how those work and how they look and so just if you can share just your thoughts about like some of the experiences you've had about cross-racial friendships or what is you know let me take that back what do you say is a key factor for you to be able to maintain a cross-racial friendship whether that's with a white person an asian person latinx person what is needed for that relationship mm -hmm. to thrive that's, in, that's interesting. I, I have one and a half white friends <laughs> my, my lifetime. One's a frolic, so I, she's not really a friend because, you know, um, out. but anyway, um, but most of my high school friends, like, we're a very interracial, intercultural group. Um, and what makes us work, I think we just we mesh well, we complement each other, but we're also willing to understand each other's um, culture and heritage. Um, <clears throat> and for me, really um, maintaining those friendships, you have to know which people to have certain conversations with. And there has not really been a time in um, our friendship where I've felt like if I say Black Lives Matter, they'll look at me crazy. Mm. Say, well, all lives matter. Like I've been tracking them on Instagram. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna tell you. I've been tracking <laughs> them on Instagram and all of them have had some sort of Black Lives Matter posts. Um, two of them are married to Black men. One <laughs> chronically dates Black men. So <laughs> like they, um, have they are more invested in understanding black culture because they are likely to have black children mm. quite honestly yeah. um uh all of them are all but one really are married uh interculturally um and the one doesn't get it from a technicality she's thai and he's filipino so i mean mm. um different cultures but um being able to have critical conversations with them is like is what bends the what is it called bends the arc um, for me personally to be able to maintain those friendships. I don't feel like I should um, be able to say or shouldn't be able to say uh, OSU 
wanted, there was a football game and they told everybody to wear, uh, paint their faces black and um, that was racist. And none, none of them I'm, I know would say, well, I mean, you know, black is OSU's color. So why wouldn't they, ask, mm. why wouldn't they say, um, why isn't it logical just to, you know, paint their faces black? Um, Cause that's a conversation we've had before. And um so I don't know if I'm making sense, but for me, um, it's very important for me to be able to communicate what racism look, look, looks like towards Black people. We, we've actually had a conversation about light skin, dark skin, um, and how not just in the Black community, but in Asian communities and Latina, Latinx communities, um, what that looks like and what are the roots of that. Um, and it was really kind of mind-blowing to me, but I also eye-opening because at one point, well, white people don't understand this. It's like useless talking to white people about racism. Sometimes it's useless talking to Asian people about racism too, because they understand it very differently. But the group of women that I interact with, we all understand it very similarly. Um, so having those conversations is important for me to maintain cross-cultural relationships. Yeah, and I think that, that um, the piece about being able to have hard conversations or authentic conversations about race is really critical. Um, I think for me as a Black woman, I have a few non-Black friends. Um, and I think who, who I am, like how I show up, I value Blackness. If you know me, then you know I love Black people. And so if you can't handle that as a non-Black person, then we probably can't be friends because I'm going to talk about things that impact the Black community because when I think about who I care about, who, um, who I'm responsible, I think one of my, I've, I've heard somebody, I can't, I, it was a Black woman, I think she was in one of my classes and she said, who am I responsible to? Um, and so for me, it's like, who, who am I responsible to? Who am I responsible for? And the things that I care about is Black people. And so if I can't have some of those critical conversations with non-Black people about some of the things that I value, then it's like, this friendship is going to go nowhere. Um, I know a few years ago when I was like really active on Twitter, I remember posting something like, you know, cross-racial friendships can be challenging because anti-Blackness is present in all races, in all groups. And I remember distinctly somebody responding to me saying, well, I don't know why they're hard for you. Um, Cross-racial friendships are easy for me. And I didn't respond to that person, um, probably because I didn't have anything nice to say. But it's like, if you, and she was, she was a black woman, she's mixed with black and white. Um, I don't know how she was raised. And so I think the comment of like, oh, why are cross-racial friendships hard? Like everybody, you should be able to be friends with anybody. No, we don't live in a society where race doesn't matter, where gender doesn't matter, where age doesn't matter, where ability doesn't matter. Like all these different things matter. And so if you're acting like mm -hmm. they don't, then number one, we probably wouldn't be close friends. Um, but number two, you're also not looking at it with a critical eye. Um, and so I, I had wished, and I know that Insecure is, you know, a show, but I wished in the moment when Molly and um, Andrew's brother were getting into it, that she named that, that she named that, like, anti-Blackness is alive and, alive and well in different races. Um, and obviously it's a TV show, 
Um, so maybe they're not going to get that deep. But I felt like that is what was happening there, especially, you know, I, I think that they were very intentional about making Andrew an Asian character, um, mm -hmm. his family being Asian, because Asian, some Asian Americans are seen as innocuous or raceless and um, they, because they are, you know, used as a wedge for other racial groups to say like, oh, well, Asian Americans are smart and they've made it and they've succeeded, um, mm -hmm. quote unquote, model minority stereotype, which puts certain, which puts Asian folks on a pedestal and like Black folks and Latinx folks on at a lower rank. And so I think some of that was maybe, maybe it wasn't at play in the show, but I feel like it's it's not by coincidence that even though Molly is dating outside of her race, she's dating an Asian American mm -hmm. and and you know his family is Asian American and having those conversations about race because we don't talk about um, I think that I haven't had very many conversations with um, Asian Americans or even Latinx Americans about what anti-blackness looks like in their communities. Which is why for me, I'm like so intentional about not saying like, oh, people of color. No, nope, I'm talking about black people. Like I'm gonna be very clear with, I'm talking about black people. And if I mean people of color, then I will say people of color. Um, but anywho, I say all that to say, again, I'm on a tangent or a rant, but um, I say all that to say that that piece of being able to have some of those conversations, those real conversations, and also not feeling like I'm always teaching you something like mm -hmm. I want to be able to come to the conversation and have an exchange of dialogue and exchange thoughts, but we're at the same level. I'm not trying to catch you up to where I'm at so that then we can have a meaningful conversation. I don't have time for right. that. much emotional labor, <laughs> it's labor period. Like, no. So yeah, sorry. That was it's my, uh, my rant about the importance of. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. Having racist, having conversations about racism is like, the only analogy I can use is like being in a math class where everybody kind of starts off learning two plus two, you know, the basic stuff. Um, and then you start having conversations about racism and that's calculus. But people who are still in that algebra, basic, uh, basic <laughs> two plus two want to be involved in the conversation. And then they're mad that they can't because they don't know calculus and all of a sudden everybody who's speaking calculus and trig's gotta go back. Yeah. You know, and that that gets kind of annoying. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, yeah, and nobody has time for that. Um, well, I think we've covered most of our bases, uh, I will probably have another episode that talks about male and female friendships, but that will be a separate conversation because I think that can go on. <laughs> that deserves its own platform. Um, but yeah, any final thoughts that you want to share regarding a black, being a black woman, um, the need for relationships with other black women or non-black women or non-black men, whatever, anything you want to share? <laughs> um, I, you know, I think it's crucial to have strong bonds with other Black women, um, those who are younger, those who are older, specifically. I have a lot of older um, women mentors who've taught me a lot, showed me the, the ropes on how to deal with county people or, you know, tips on being a mother, just um, 
in general. I think the bottom line, though, is, um, you know, like Oprah said, lots of people want to ride with you in the limo, but what you want is someone who will take the bus with you when the limo breaks down. You know, who's going to take that bus with you? That's all. You I'll take pay. the bus with you. Well, thank you. I take the bus with you, too. And we'll sit in the front, of course, um, because that's what Rosa Parks wanted. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of buses breaking down, hold on. Do you remember when we were driving back to Portland for Thanksgiving and my car broke down? <laughs> and, we to, and we had to take a tow truck. <laughs> so, you know, well, I know that you would take the bus with me if the limo breaks down because Percy broke down. Oh, God. On the side of the road, Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> That was fun. Sorry, it was kind of rainy. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like why why people love running in the rain with their, you know. That was fun. You do you remember like was... a white guy like pulled up and was like, hey, do you guys need help? And I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> All I could think of was like, you're not about to snatch me up. I don't care if it is me and another person. You're not gonna snatch us up and then people all. will never hear from us again. No, thank you. Not at all. Jokina was mad, y'all. I was having fun. <laughs> I was mad. I was very mad. And I was mad because I knew that my car was going to break down. Like, I knew that previous weekend, my mom was like, can you come home and watch your nephew? And so I went home and I told her, if I come home this weekend, next weekend, when I come home, I might not make it. And lo and behold, Tercy went to that big graveyard in the sky that weekend. It was so sad. Mm-mm-mm. Was that the same weekend we went to the to the Lloyd Center and had to, we did catch the bus back from your house. We had to walk and it was rainy and we played Clue. I think so. <laughs> that was a fun weekend. It was. It was. It was. In the moment though, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't see it. I was pissed. <laughs> I was quite upset. But anywho, all that being said, I would take the bus with you. Thank you. And I would take the bus with you too. But thank you so much, Amber. I appreciate this conversation. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Um, I really enjoyed my time here on your podcast, Black Lady Adulting. Um, and now for the My Girlfriend segment. Initially, I was going to dedicate today's girlfriend segment to Emmy-nominated Issa Rae. We spent a little bit of time on today's show talking about Insecure, so I thought it would be fitting. And although Issa Rae is a dope black woman doing the dang thing with movies like Lovebirds and shows like Insecure and even Awkward Black Girl, because that's where I was introduced to her, I realized my real-life girlfriends deserve to be honored. And so I want to take this time to thank all of the women in my life who support, encourage, and love me, specifically my girlfriends. Nay, for always being a listening ear and being the best sister anyone can ask for. Neri, for being more like a sister than a cousin. Amber, for joining me on one of my first podcast episodes. Paige, for designing my logo, my image, my website, really everything visually associated with the Black Lady Adulting podcast Paige created. Alex, for thinking through podcast topics with me and supporting me on my PhD journey. My high school girlfriends, my line sisters, my PhD sisters, and a number of other women who have been there for me as I continue to grow and develop into the strong, beautiful, complicated, vulnerable, black woman that I am today and so I will continue to center us in my work because 
we deserve it. So thank you all for being my girlfriends. Thanks everybody for listening and catch me next time on Black Lady Adulting.